I love hearing the community that's going on right now. Um, how many people said one of the most important elements of a church was community? Yeah, look at that. We were creating it right now. Isn't that great? Uh, my name is uh, Jeremy Lind. I'm the pastor of Cornerstone, as was mentioned, and as was greatly introduced by Chris, we're going to talk about church planning today. We're going to talk about one of the most exciting things that is happening in Minnesota, and that's you guys. Um, there is a church planning movement that's going on in the Twin Cities that is going to change the Twin Cities forever, and you guys are a part of that. And so we're going to start off talking about why. Why is this important? Why is this exciting? Why is it needed? Um, Pastor Mark Allen, he had a great job at a great church, doing great things. God was moving there, yet he felt the need to come and leave that and take a great risk and come and you know, be a church planner of a new, new community, a new body of Christ. And why? Why is that? Um, I'm, plan I'm a pastor of Cornerstone Church. We meet in the Blaine High School. We don't have a building. We meet in a, a building similar to this, right? We don't have our nice building with our, our beautiful parking lot, nice fountain in the entryway. So why would we be inspired to take that money, that effort, and instead of you know, going for that building, why would we invest it in Pastor Mark and you guys? Why would we do that? Well, some of you came from Renovation, which is a great church, to, from Grace, which is a great church, from, from all these different places. Where, and why have so many people come together to, to do this, to start this new church? Well, the reason why is we need more churches. We need more churches. And not just any church. We need more churches like Pursuit. We need more evangelical churches. Now, I love all churches, right? I want to I just speak positively of all churches. We're all on the same team. But there are, you know, the church in America is failing. Let's just be honest. It's failing. Um, they've done a lot of research on these things, and 40% of Americans say they attend church on a regular basis, and yet when we take attendance, only 20% actually do. So one out of every five people is prioritizing the Lord on a Sunday morning. And if you're not prioritizing the Lord on a Sunday morning, I just want to know what other time during the week is he a priority in your life? We need more churches to spread the gospel of Jesus and the importance of following the Lord, and it's evangelical churches that do that. While most of our other churches and denominations are shrinking, evangelical churches are growing. We need evangelical churches because, despite all of our technological advances, there's still only one way to salvation, Jesus Christ, and it's the church that articulates that. And it's evangelical churches that do the best job of articulating that. I love talking about the uniqueness of Christianity. And it's evangelical churches which most uh, uh, clearly articulate why Christianity is unique. Every other religion is you fill out your resume, you create a list of why you're good. Uh, look at me, God. I've bowed down to the east the correct number of times. I've visited my prophet's gravesite. Uh, look at me. I, 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 was, uh, I started off as a cow in New Jersey. I spent six, six years there. I was reincarnated as a buffalo in, in South you know, South Indiana, and I spent six years, I did a great job, I got promoted to a human being, I did that for 65 years, now I have cycled out of the system, look at me, look at my resume, God, you can call any of these references, and you can see what a wonderful person I've been, what a great job I've done. Buddhism is the same thing, I have spent the time meditating, I have freed myself from my desires, I have achieved that nirvana, look at my achievements, Lord, God, accept me. That's every other religion, Christianity is the opposite, it's not us making our resume and handing it to God and saying, now you owe me. Instead, God looks down and he says, you all owe me. You owe me for all the sin in your life. You owe me for every failure you've done, for every sin you've done, every lie you've told, you owe me. Here's what I'll do because I love you. I'll create my resume. 
I'll live a perfect life in your place, the life you should have lived. I'll die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. I'll rise from the grave so that you can have eternal life. Here's my resume. Do you accept it? Christianity is different than any other religion. That's just one of the ways Christianity is different. And we need more churches because there's still only one way to Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people feel that's exclusive, right? It's, it's too exclusive. It's actually the most inclusive way imaginable, right? Every other way that we've thought, human beings have thought to get to God, whether it's through good works or religious works, it's all about those who are able and capable. And those who are not able and capable are excluded. Whether our culture tells us is if you're good enough, you've done enough good things, your good things outweigh your bad things, or whether you're in a religion that tells you it's a, by religious works, you have to, you know, uh, come and visit the prophet's gravesite, you must come and take the communion, you must be there, you must do this. In every other system, in every other system, it's exclusive because it's those who can achieve it that can make it, and those who can't will not achieve it. But in Christianity, God levels the playing field. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done, your socioeconomic status, the advantages you had growing up, your privilege, whatever it is. All it is, God levels the playing field. It's not about you achieving it. It's the most inclusive thing imaginable. It's do you want to come? Here's my resume from you. Do you want it? Do you want eternal life with me? As one way might seem a little exclusive, but it's actually the most inclusive way, and it's the way that Jesus Christ taught. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But the way to the Father is the most inclusive way imaginable. It's Jesus. We need to spread that message. And it's evangelical churches that spread that message. And so we need more evangelical churches because people come to our churches. Here is a, a graph of church attendance. Now, I love the Catholic Church. There's great reasons why I'm not a Catholic. Uh, but I love the Catholic Church. I love some of the things they're doing. I love how they're standing up for the family and, and, uh, and life and, and great things. But they're failing in their mission. Attendance at Catholic churches has dropped in half in the last 50 years. Now, if you look at that green light, that's Protestants. And Protestants have grown a little bit, which is fantastic. But when you look at Protestants, let's di dive a little deeper into that. Evangelical Protestants, churches like Pursuit, we're the ones who are growing. The red line is is a lot of the other Protestants. Now we're all on the same team. May God turn this graph around. May God allow these churches to uh, you know, achieve their mission and succeed. But the church that God is working through right now in the United States of America it is the evangelical church. People come to our churches. So we need more of them. Between 4,000 and 7,000 churches close their doors every year. We need more. Jesus saves. Churches explain that. People come to our churches. We need more churches like ours. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important that you guys are doing what you're doing. It's so important that we're doing what we're doing. It's a part of what Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew chapter 28. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is one of my favorite sandwiches in the Bible. It's a sandwich because there's this top half that says, I've got all the power you need. All authority has been given to me. Jesus is the king. He's got all the authority and the power that we need. Then in the middle, he tells us what we need to do with that power and authority. We need to go and spread the gospel and make disciples. 
I've got all the power you need. Go do this with that power. And then at the bottom half of the sandwich, bottom part of the sandwich, he says, I'll be with you from now until the end. There'll be a moment I'm not with you. And so God has called us to spread the gospel, to baptize, to make disciples. He's given us all the power we need. He'll never leave us. And what if we started believing that as a church? What if we started believing that as individuals? How would our lives look differently? How would we spend our time? How would we spend our money? What would we do in our conversations? We're going to need to have faith in the Lord and his power if we're going to follow this mission. And it's not easy. There's a battle between good and evil. As you think about how my life would be different if I sat there and if I took that into my heart and believed that God is with me and he's given me all the power that I need to spread the gospel, how would my look, life look different? I'll, I'll just volunteer one way right now for you. You will talk about Jesus Christ outside of this, this worship service. That is one way. The more you get to know the Lord, the more you grow in your faith in him, the more you grow in the confidence in his power and that he's with you, the more you'll talk about Jesus. It's very easy to do nice things and show the love of God and leave out the message of God, right? But nobody's coming to Christ unless we give them that message. There's only one way to the Father. It's very easy to, to take out our neighbor's garbage when they're on vacation, to smile at our coworkers and greet them warmly. We can do all these different nice things, but do that 11 of the 12 disciples were killed for their faith? And not a one of them was killed for being too nice. Nobody said that Peter, he's so helpful. Every time we're gone, he feeds our cat for us. <laughs> that James, what a wonderful guy. He mowed the lawn when, when I broke my leg and couldn't do it. Now the battle between good and evil is real. And the reason why the disciples were killed for their faith was they riled up Satan so much because they were spreading the gospel of Jesus. They wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Essentially, they wouldn't stop planting churches because that's what they did. They went all over. They, they spread the message of Jesus. They talked about Jesus. They explained the message of salvation. People converted to Christianity, and they organized those people in churches. And if we believe that, if we believe that God has given us the power, that he's always with us, and that he's given us that mission, we'll begin talking about Jesus too. And you guys can do this. It's intimidating. It's awkward sometimes, but you can do it. If you've never talked with somebody about Jesus outside of church, if you've never talked with an unbeliever about Jesus, it's going to be really awkward the first time. It's going to be awkward, but God is with you. And he's given you the power. And I'm telling you, if you are stagnant in your faith, one of the greatest ways to grow in your faith is to take that step of faith and start talking to people about Jesus. The first person might laugh at you, but you're going to feel the Holy Spirit with you. And you're going to feel that power. It's going to grow you in your faith. You can only grow so much doing the same old things. You can only grow so much. You've got to take a new step. If you've never talked with an unbeliever about Jesus, I want to invite you to take that step this week. How would your life look differently? How would our church look differently? Well, 
at Cornerstone, we got this thing called the 2020 vision, how God is going to change the world through our church through the year 2020 and beyond. And we sat down, we, we, we really spent a lot of time in prayer. How is God going to change the world through our church? It's just not enough to sit here in our churches and enjoy each other's company and study the Bible together. It's just not enough. Jesus has called us to change the world. And how is that going to look? And as we prayed and, and sought God's will for that, it, it's church planting. That's one of the primary ways we believe God is going to plant, uh, going to change the world through Cornerstone Church uh, through the year 2020 and beyond. If you really believe, and I know Pursuit believes this, because that was, you know, we, in selecting Pastor Mark uh, to plant Pursuit and be the church planner, we had lots of conversations, heard his passion for this vision as well. If we believe that God is going to, that God has given us all the power, given us the mission of making disciples, and was with us as a church, it'll mean that we will start new churches. So we came to a conclusion as Cornerstone, and that's part of, of Pursuit's core values as well. Why plant? Well, it's one of our core values because if we believe God is powerful and given this mission and is with us, this is one of the ways uh, to do that. Here's the values of Cornerstone Church. We want to be Christ-centered in everything we want to do. We want to be Christ-centered. We want to be in prayer in everything we do, seeking God and his presence and his will. We want intentional discipleship. We don't want to just reach people for Christ and have them make an initial decision for Christ. We want to grow them in Christ, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And we want to do outreach. We want to reach new believers. And to reach new believers, you got to plant churches. you got to. And also serving. We don't want to just give them the message of God. We want to show them the love of God as well. There's a difference between sentiment and love standing on a street corner and just shouting the gospel to people might come out of having a sentiment for them but love requires action more than sentiment and so we want to get involved with people too we want to serve people i know you guys have a, a vision and a passion for that as well so those are our core values one of the things we realized is church planning and intentional outreach is a little bit redundant so we indented them at cornerstone indented church planning what intentional outreach looks like is to plan churches and why did we come to that conclusion well they did studies on who attends church plants like pursuit and over time they find that chur young church plants will grow to have an estimated 42 percent of people worshiping in their churches who had never attended church before or who hadn't attended church before in many years in winning new converts to Christ, Ed Stetzer, the, the guy at Lifeway Research who did this analysis, he said, in winning new converts to Christ, church plants are light years ahead of the average church because of their focus on including people who don't go to church. It's a new community. It's a new opportunity. It's a new group of people. And people who haven't gone to church realize this is a great new opportunity for me to come and be a part of it. People just intuitively recognize this. That building down the corner that's been there forever, they've been there forever. They've known each other forever. If I go into that, I'm new. They've been there forever. I'm the outsider. But when people start new churches like this, people just get it. It's not like you have to cast this vision. It's not like you have to sit down to your coworkers and explain that to them. They'll just know this. It's, people are smart enough to just sense this in their heart. A new church, a new opportunity. I've been looking for something new in my life. I've been looking for something new. I'll go to that. This is a great opportunity for me to connect with God in a new way. I tried that church down the corner with the building. I didn't make it there. Well, this is a new situation that I can fit into. That's why church plants are so special. People know that this is another great opportunity for them and a new one. So planning 
pursuit was a huge step forward in Cornerstone Church being able to follow that. Which you guys did by stepping forward and saying, we want to plant this church. And Cornerstone stepping out and saying, we'd love to support you guys. That was a great opportunity for us to do what God has wanted to do. And someday, it's in your core values as well, someday you'll have that great opportunity as well. We're going to talk a little bit more about how you guys can take hold of that opportunity and realize that opportunity. Continue talking real quick about why church plants are successful versus established churches. And I love established churches. But church plants give this new opportunity and are successful. And here's a reason why. If you want to reach people for Christ as a church, you're going to start, you're going to grow, and then you're going to stop because there's going to be an obstacle. Maybe it's a building. We pack this room full of people. We can only fit so many people in this room. We can only rent the building for so long, something like that. And we reach a, a barrier. This happens to every church. And so we got to overcome that barrier. We, uh, we open that divider. We get a new bigger building. We move to a different spot, whatever it is. We overcome that. We grow for a while. Then we hit an, another barrier. Maybe it's staff. There's just so much going on. There's so much to communicate and organize. We don't know when the men's ministries are anymore. There's too many of them. Where's the Bible study? We need more people to communicate, minister. So we hire more staff. We grow again. That's fantastic. But then we hit another, on, on, and on, and on. And this is what every church will do until it stops growing. At some point, every church will stop growing. There's never been a church that has grown from the beginning till the end. We'll reach our limit of the amount of people that our community can minister to. Now, if we church plant, our line looks a little different than if we're just trying to keep everybody in our church. The green line is the amount of people we can reach if we just focus on our church. The white line is how many people we can reach if we train new leaders and new people and send them out to go become new communities. Uh, Dave Reno, the guy who essentially uh, started this church planning movement through which uh, renovation came and Pursuit Community Church came, found that this was true for them. They did everything they could to grow as a church. They reached 1,000 people, which is incredible, by the way. What God has done there is incredible. And they couldn't get past 1,000 people. They said, does God want to do no more? Is that it? Are we done? And they realized what we need to do is start new communities. And so what they did was they started another church here, another church there. And those people started reaching people for Christ. And then those churches started planning churches. And now if you add up all the people who have come to Christ or are worshiping, uh, God in the churches started by Dave Reno's church, it's 9,000. So Grace Fellowship on a 169, they were Dave Reno's church back in the day. They grew to 1,000, but because they were selfless and followed the method of planting churches, they've reached 9,000 people. And here's why. Here's why the lines are different. Does anybody know what this is? Donkey called mule. Somebody said mule. It is a mule. You know how much of work a mule can do? Only so much. If you, and they can't breathe. So if you want to do more work and you've got a mule, all you have to do, it's very easy, you just buy another mule. And then you get the work of two mules. And then if you, if you want to do more work, well, you buy another mule. You see, they're never breeding. They're never multiplying. They're never reproducing. You know what's better than mules? is horses. Because horses have kids. They breathe new life, they bring new life into this world. Pretty soon you don't just have the work of the parents, but also the children, and then their children, and then their children. And pretty soon, if you've got horses instead of mules, you're doing a ton of work. 
we need to multiply. If we, if we just seek to add people to our churches, there's a difference between addition and multiplication. If we just seek to add people to this church, well, we will grow. If we seek to multiply, we'll grow exponentially. We were looking for a name for the church planning movement, apart which Pursuit and Cornerstone are a part of. As pastors, we meet once a month, all these church planning pastors. We were looking for a new name for that group. I suggested church bunnies. It got voted down. I was the only one who voted for that one. Still the best name. But we want to multiply. We want to change the world for Jesus Christ. And this is happening, by the way. Dave Reno's church, Grace Fellowship, planted 28 churches. 18 of them are still going and reaching people for Christ. Renovation has got a, a goal to plant 10 churches in like the next 10 years or something like that. They're going great guns. It's amazing. Pretty soon, there's going to be church plants all over the Twin Cities. New leaders empowered to train and reach people. It's not just us in Moundsview. It's churches all over the place that we're a part of. And that's very rare. And it's very special. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? When you're thinking about the mission, and like we talked about that, what's one of the most important characteristics of a healthy church? Being willing to look outside your doors and multiply. That's a huge one. And what if you made this your thing? What if you made that your thing? What if you made the mission of pursuit your thing? It's really rare. Only 4% of churches will ever plant. And here's why. Not enough people have this as their mission. This is just, it, it, I'm just going to lay it out for you. It's not, you know, I'm not here to like, you know, make anybody feel bad or come down to any other churches. This is the way it goes, right? Over time, people lose focus on the mission, right? And we got like, you know, somebody over here on this side who has a, has a youth and the youth isn't connecting enough with the youth pastor. And so then they decide, like, well, we're going to go to another church. And then, you know, somebody over here and a new couple will come and replace them. And the church kind of remains stagnant, right? And then somebody else over here has the vision that, you know, what's really important with the church is that uh, we, get, we get purple chairs next time rather than gray chairs, right? And so, you know, we didn't get the purple chairs, so they leave. And then, you know, somebody else will replace them, but, you know, no really net gain has, has gone forward. And then there's somebody over there who feels that God has called them to sing on the worship team. And then when they sing, you know, they need, you know, turns out, well, maybe not. And then that was their vision for a church, right? That was why they're at church. It was not because of this. It was because I, I want to sing. And, and so then they leave. And, somebody, and so many churches just spin their wheels like that year after year. Now, what if we just got rid of all those other things? They're good things. But what if we just put those secondary? What if we made the mission of Jesus Christ first? How would our church look? Well, here's the deal. You might get mad with him because you spent a week organizing a men's event and he didn't get it in the bulletin in time and now, bummer, right? That's a bummer. But what if we prioritize the mission of Jesus over that? There's something more important. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of a church that gets everything in the bulletin on time? Or do you want to be a part of a church who's got the mission and vision that Pursuit does? And this is rare. Uh, when we were looking at places to plant churches, uh, we called all the churches in Moundsview, right, to see if this is a good place to plant a church, if this was needed. If it's not needed, let's go somewhere else, right? And we called around. And uh, there's a lot of great churches in Moundsview. I, I don't, you know, there's, God bless them that they can achieve their mission and follow Jesus. But we called, and I called one of the pastors at a church in Moundsview right, right around here, and I said, we're looking to plant a church. We're wondering if this is, a, is a, an area where we can really complement the churches here. Could you let me know, like, what is your church all about? What is your mission and vision? And the pastor said, 
I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me right now. I said, well, can you give me a gist of it? He's like, oh, I'll have to find it. Can I call you back? And we called around, like, yes. Yes, Mom's View is a place that needs a church. Mom's View is a place that needs a church. Now, there's a lot of other churches you can go to with a lot of different missions and visions and emphasis. And what church do you want to be a part of? Whatever conflicts that might arise, and there will be some, because we're all sinners. We're all sinners in the process of sanctification. We're going to offend each other. We're going to fail each other. But are you united around something bigger on the mission that Jesus has given us? That's really rare. Only 4% of churches are. Only 4% will plant. And only 1% of churches will plant more than one church. So we need churches like Pursuit. We need churches like Renovation and like Cornerstone. The vision that God is giving. This is why I'm talking about. This is one of the most exciting things that's happening in the Twin Cities. I don't know of another thing like this that's happening anywhere, honestly. This is incredible. A group of churches that have a passion for starting and planning new churches. And so someday, pursuit, you're going to grow. You're going to reach people. You're going to have a bank account. You're going to have the opportunity to plant another church. And it's going to be a step in faith, right? Because you could use that money. And you could use that people. You might only have two drummers. And you might think if we plant a church... That drummer might go to that other church. We're down to one drummer. We might not have gotten our building. How can we give away that $25,000 or $30,000 to start a church? Back in the, in the Bible, uh, Jesus calls farm, God calls farmers to give of their first fruits. That means they plant their seed, the, the, the wheat grows, the harvest grows, and they take and they begin to harvest. And they give the first part of that harvest. What doesn't happen, what Jesus never commanded, or God never commanded, was that you take the whole field, you find out what you need, you use what you need for the things you need it in and the things you'd like, and then you give of the rest of it. Now, it would be really convenient for farmers if you did, right? Because those farmers didn't know what was going to happen with the rest of the harvest. They could harvest the beginning, which could be great. They could go on in the harvest and find that it's being eaten by bugs or withered by drought or just whatever it is. But Jesus calls to give of your first fruits and trust him. So he calls us to take that step in faith. And it's going to be hard to do that. But if we do, God has bigger things in store. And that's what we need to trust as a church. He's with us. He's given us all the power we need. We can take those steps out in faith. He won't leave us. He's got something better than a teddy bear waiting behind his back. We're going to reach people for Christ. We're going to see our world change. And what if this was your thing? Everybody's got their thing in life. It might be youth sports. It might be going to the cabin. It might be your career, putting in 70 hours a week every week. It might be any number of things. It might be free time with your family. I love my family. I love my free time with my family. I love all those things. What if this were your thing? What if this were your thing in life? What if pursuit was your thing? Because so many people have made it their thing, I mentioned between 4,000 and 7,000 churches close their doors every year. In the evangelical world, because so many pe people have made it their thing, we planted more churches than closed for the first time in a long time starting in 2014, and we've continued. We're gaining ground now. We're succeeding. It's working. And we have a reason to hope. 
all because so many people have made it their thing. And what if you made Pursuit your thing? Now, you might be here on the launch team of Pursuit, and you've been here doing this thing for like, you know, 12 months now. You might be new to Pursuit. You might have just walked in the door today. What a wonderful thing. You've come on one of the most exciting Sundays where we're talking about church planning and how you can be a part of this, how you can be a part of changing the world. What if you made this your thing? What would it look like? It might look like volunteering for a ministry and taking ownership of that ministry. You're the person who says, I'm going to do the bulletin every week so that people can know when our ministries are, so that they can know how to connect with others. I mean, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to use my gift of playing the bass on the worship team. It's going to mean coming Thursday nights for worship practice every week or whatever it is. But I'm going to make that my thing. It means I'm going to be here even when I'm not serving, right? Because even on the weeks you're not serving, your attendance here is incredibly important. Every week there's going to be new people coming in pursuit. And if you come on the weeks that you're not serving, and just meet them. Meet somebody else you don't know. You're going to be facilitating a community. You're going to be reaching out to somebody who's come because they're looking to connect with others and looking to connect with God. What would that look if you made pursuit your thing? If you're someone who has attended church in the past once a month or given 1% of your income and never really been fully on board, I want to invite you to consider making pursuit your thing. This church is going to change Moundsview, and this movement is going to change the Twin Cities. There's a battle between good and evil going on here, and the reason why the church in America had been failing is because we were prioritizing anything but that. Right? So many people were, oh, I you know, got the cabin this weekend, got, I got Billy's soccer game next weekend after that, and got mom's birthday party the week after that. I'm just tired because I'm involved in all these activities, and so I'll be gone the weekend after that. Pretty soon, you're not coming anymore after, I mean, anymore after all. Not only are you not being changed by God, you're not changing the world in the way God would have us do that either. There's a battle between good and evil going on here, and we need to prioritize this. We need to make this our thing. What if you step out and start talking to people about Jesus Christ? What if you step out in faith and do that with the people in your life? What if you step out in faith and start inviting people to church? I'm telling you, I invite so many people to church. I've got like maybe a, an 8% success rate. But it takes making it your thing to be successful at it. I invite everybody to church. We go to Burger King every week after church on Sundays. I see the same person every week after church on Sundays. If I see the same person anywhere at any time, I'm inviting them to church. I make sure I talk to that person when I get my chicken nuggets for my kids every week on Sunday. Because I've got a plan. God has called me to something. How are you doing that? Every time you go through the line at Walmart, you've got an opportunity to connect with that cashier. Week after week, go at the same time. Every time you get your hair cut, go at the same time. Get your hair cut by the same person. Build a relationship with that person. Build a relationship with the, pe the people in your neighborhood, your neighbors. Build a relationship with your coworkers. And step out in faith. Because God's given you a mission. He's given you all the power you need. And he's with you. Finally, why plant churches? Because it's the biblical model given us by the early followers of Jesus Christ. We have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which tell us about Jesus' lives. Then we have the book of Acts, which his followers going out 
and spreading the gospel and starting all these new churches. Then we have all the letters to the churches. You can see some of the churches they've started because they've written letters to them. There's the church in Corinth. There's the church in Thessalonica. There's the church in Ephesus. There's a church in Philippi, in Colossians. If you forget the order, it's all of those churches, by the way, great learning tool. You can remember the order of the books by the acronym Gentiles Eat Pork Chops. <laughs> so if you're ever looking for Galatians or Ephesians, you're like, well, Gentiles eat pork. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Did you know that none of these churches are still there? There's not a single one of these churches that's mentioned in the Bible that is still alive. And yet the kingdom of God has grown. Just like Jesus, this carpenter, 2,000 years ago prophesied. What an amazing prophecy. He said the kingdom of God is like the smallest of all seeds. And when it grows, there's room enough for everybody. What a prediction made by Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's come true. Even though all those churches have died, that little seed became a giant tree. Because these people planted new churches. The church in Colossae planted a church in Smyrna. And the church in Ephesus planted a church in Laodicea, whatever it was. I don't even know how to pronounce some of those ones. But the church grew and grew and grew. It's a method Jesus gave us. That's the method that pursuit and cornerstone and renovation are passionate about following. And we want to invite you in that mission. There's something really huge here at stake. It's the Twin Cities. It's Minnesota. It's the United States of America. And Jesus has given us the mission to reach it with the gospel. And he's given us all the power we need to do that. And let's start living with trust in that. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as, as we sit here today, and uh, we may have come to church for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, maybe we've got you know, conflict in our families. We've got finances that need to get in order. We've got all these concerns in our life. And we sit here and we think, why should I, or what, what need do I have to focus on anything else right now? Lord, I pray that first of all, you'd bless us with the needs that we came that are on our mind and on our hearts. God, help us to follow you in them. And then as we talk about the bigger picture beyond our own personal lives, God, I pray that you'd inspire us that we can achieve this, that you've called us to it, that you've given us the power to do it, and that you're with us as we do it. And that even as we try to solve uh, the conflict between you know, our, us and our spouse, or us and our kid. Uh, even as we try to get our finances in order, even as we try to find that new job, even as we try to do those things, God, I pray that you'd bless us with the confidence that we are right where we are at for a reason, because in that mess, in that difficulty of life, you've put people in our lives that we can influence towards you, Jesus Christ. So God, as we focus on all the things that we need in our lives and we need from you, God, I pray that you'd bless us that we can reach and look beyond that and reach other people for you. And reach out to other people. In the midst of the conflict at work, I pray you'd give us the inspiration and the passion to invite that coworker to church. Lord, in the, in the midst of the stress of our families, God, I pray you'd bless us to come together and invite our neighbors over for dinner or a bonfire or to go for a walk and build those relationships. Lord, in the, in the midst of the stress of all the finances, God, I pray that you'd give us the faith and trust to give back to you and your mission. And Lord, I pray that you bless us that we can trust that you've given us the power to do all of those things and the power to succeed and move forward in all of those things all at the same time. Lord, I pray that you bless us as we look at this bigger picture of not just changing our own lives for Jesus, but of changing our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools 
and Moundsview and Blaine and Forest Lake. God, I pray that you bless us so we can go forward with your mission. I pray that in, in two years or in five years or in ten years, whatever it is, God, we'd look forward to all the churches that Pursuit has had the opportunity to support and plant. I pray that we'd be able to look to a new church in, in Forest Lake High School or a new church in Coon Rapids High School or a new church down in Roseville. God, I pray that you'd give us that vision and that passion. And Lord, as we step out in faith and trust you in it, God, I pray that you increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.